Oh, I have got a wisdom gem-filled, power-packed, and fun-stuffed Ceremony Circle podcast episode for you today, Soul Fam. For those of you new to these voyages, I am your host, shaman and author, Allison Charles. And today's guest is a super smart and savvy relationship expert and author, Rachel Dialto. And those of you who are avid Ceremony Circle podcast listeners, you know it is key for me to bring on guests who are embodied with the work and wisdom, who really are authentic and walk the talk. And Rachel is absolutely that. I've known her for almost a decade, starting back in a time when I used to be a TV talk show host. Yes, I am for real. And we would have Rachel on as our dating expert. And Rachel used to also be a lawyer, but a previous relationship woke her up in a myriad of ways, which changed the course of her life. Now you can see her as the relationship expert on Lifetime's Married at First Sight, on TLC's Kate Plus Date, The Today Show, Good Morning America, Access, Hollywood Live, The Steve Harvey Show. She's also the chief dating expert for Match.com and on and on. So you are in the best hands today. This show is for anyone out there looking to heal their heart or align in sacred partnership or go deeper in the relationship that you're already in. We dive into what red flags to look for, especially in codependent, abusive, or narcissistic situations. Why certain patterns can be so tough to break, but she gives tips to stay the course and the top perspective to remember when doing the work to release those patterns. The main key and trusting the path of finding your divine partner. We get into celibacy. I had almost a full five-year streak immersed in that. We talk about dating apps, ways to overcome social anxiety, things to do in order to make having a really uncomfortable or hard conversation not so uncomfortable or hard. And we get into epic listener questions. Over at my Instagram at I am Allison Charles, I sometimes let you all ask what you want to know for some of my Ceremony Circle podcast guests. And today is your day, Nikita, Jacqueline, Cody, and Desiree. All of your questions get answered by Rachel. And just as with every Ceremony Circle podcast episode, we end with a potent ritual or ceremony to empower you. And Rachel guides one of my all-time favorites. She's also a hypnotist. Did I mention that before? Well, she is, and she is incredible at it. So today she beams us with a purifying, heart-healing, and opening white light that is sure to shift your life and mood for the better. So here we go. Let's talk about love, all things juicy love, with relationship expert and author of Relatable, Rachel D'Alto. And here we go. Okay, sister, here we are. It's so good to see your face again. It's been a long time. It's been way too long, honestly. I, I think back of our, oh my gosh, all the experiences that we've had together and fun ones and odd ones and yes. awesome ones. We've yeah. done some weird things. <laughs> I know. I was kind of laughing about that too when I realized it had been a while since we had seen each other. And I was also, yeah, doing a memory lane scan for all the years that we've known each other. And there was that really funny dinner that we went to. I was going to and- say the, the dinner where we were drinking cocktails with every course and like it was but it was, that was vegan, right? Was it vegan? It was. Remember. Yeah, I okay, think it I thought was. it was vegan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then we did a dance video. Oh my God. Yeah, we've definitely had a fun friendship journey. And it all started when I was hosting The Juice, the talk show, and you were like our go-to resident dating and relationship expert. And and that's where our our relationship bloomed from there. So we have both come a long way since those days. And you're on book number two, three? Book number two. Book number two, which is relatable, how to connect with anyone, any where even if it scares the crap out of you. I love that headline and title so much. And this is a, a category of life that I haven't gone into. So when I saw that your book was coming out, I thought, oh my God, this is perfect timing because as you know, and some of my audience, my soul fam who, who voyages with us here on Ceremony Circle, they know that my awakening and divine intervention came from a previous relationship. And yet I haven't really told that whole story and I haven't gone fully down relationship lane and you are the person for this. So thank you for coming on. I live in that lane. 
Yeah, that's my home. (laughs) Yeah, totally. So I think I just want to start with this very baseline foundational question, which is why is connection so vital for human beings? Oh my gosh. Wait, how long do we have? (laughs) I know, I know. You know, it's, it's actually, it does boil down to something a little bit more simple, which is it really is what we're wired for. Uh, I think biologically, but also spiritually. And, and I love that I get to go into more of the woo mystical side with you and your audience. Cause sometimes I have to like button it up, you know, for broadcast television, but I do think biologically we're wired for it. Our brains are ginormous compared to the rest of the the mammals in this world. And it's found that we are wired for connection. We are wired to have companionship. Uh, But I also look at it from the more spiritual side is we're meant to be in relationship to each other because that's how we learn. And we're here to be loved. And Mm -hmm. how can you love? You know, obviously you can love yourself, but we're meant to be loved to each other. And so it's something so innate that you can't escape it. You can take breaks from it. Sometimes people are like, I'm just done with people. And I say, I get it. But guess what? You're going to come back because <laughs> you're going to you're gonna feel it. So it's just, we can't help ourselves, I think is the short answer of that one. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm glad you brought that biological piece in. And just in that little sharing, so much was downloading in and making me laugh because I am at a place where I really, truly trust myself and I know my pure heart and, and all of these things. However, with all that said, I have noticed throughout the years that it has been a bit easier for me to relate to and have relationships with the otherworldly kind a bit more than it has been easy for me to have human relationships. And that's been a fascinating thing for me to have that kind of light bulb moment go off around because I've I've had to... I've had to put more work in and yeah, I just, I think I'm more skilled talking to like God, goddess and ascended masters and whatever power animals or whatever beings are coming in. But when it comes to like these earth based human to human relationships, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride for me. I mean, to the point where it did, I caught I, it needed to have a divine intervention to come in to really wake me up because I was allowing myself to be in a very debilitating, dysfunctional relationship for almost 20 years. And I don't even know where I'm going with this. It was just like a thought that came in when you were sharing earlier. So I don't know if anything's coming up for you, but I just, because my audience does tend to be pretty spiritual, maybe me even sharing that allows them to breathe a little easier. Maybe they're relating and thinking, oh my God, like I've struggled a little bit more on the human relationship side too. And I don't know if you have um, any tips because I know that your work is very mainstream. Um, You know, you've been on the Steve Harvey show and you were, you know, TLC's Kate plus date expert and you've been on, you know, seasons four or five of Lifetime's Married at First Sight and you are this, you know, very media. Very earth. Yeah, you're very (laughs) earth, but yet you're super, I know your spiritual side and I know what an ascended master you are. So I don't know, did anything come up for you as I'm sharing about that? Yes. And it's, it's such an interesting thing because I think it's very, it's so powerful to live up there. uh, And it's so powerful to be connected up there, but there's a reason why we're here. And that's where, and, and you and I know we've talked through so many of the experiences that I've had and the messaging that I've received of, we are brought here and we're choosing to be here for a reason. So if this is where you have the bigger challenge in, and not just speaking to you, but speaking to anybody who's listening, who's thinking, yeah, I'd rather live up there. I'd rather punch up into the clouds or into the you know a different realm than work through what's on earth because earth is messy. It is messy. You know, there is a purity that comes from those other connections. Whereas down here, we are humans and we are flawed and we're a hot mess half the time. But the work that needs to be done in terms of, you know, this universal good has to be done here. You know, it it has to be done on earth. And there are so many lessons uh, to be found in that. And there's so much knowledge to be gained. And and that's where it's, I hear you and I totally feel you. And I have many friends that I think, you know, we have this conversation because I found 
I definitely have gone through my waves of bouncing, you know, where I'm like super connected up there or super disconnected because I'm so down here. And it's, it's been really interesting to find that balance of no, 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 no. I can still get everything that I need and all of the downloads and all of the, the feeling, but I can also disseminate it down here where we can make this really big impact because that's the reason why we're here. You know, we're choosing to be here to make an impact and to up level and to uplift and to raise the vibration of what's happening right here. And that is through those relationships. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what's coming in now is, you know, another aspect of my journey that has taken a big, you know, a lot of responsibility um, on my behalf to trust myself with and learn how to um, discern appropriately. And again, I'm sure a lot of listeners can resonate because it has to do with when you do have your spiritual gifts open and you are a seer or you get a lot of clairaudient information when you're around people. So my question is, when you have a lot of these awarenesses, And let's say that you are to the point where you've gotten an awareness about someone you're in a relationship with, whether that's friend, coworker, loved one, whatever, lover, I mean. Um, And then once you have this awareness, you're then clear that this is something that you do feel called to bring up, but you know it's going to be a crunchier subject matter. You know that it's going to be a bit grittier, way more uncomfortable, (sighs) yet you know, we know we need to lean in and do this. Are there any tips to, even if it's one or two things where we can allow ourselves to feel in greater strength and readiness to lean into bringing something to someone's awareness that may not be the easiest to bring up? Oh my gosh. Yes. As you're saying this, I I always, I have the, you know, does it sit on my chest test? Like, does this sit on my chest? Because sometimes I think often when we're, when we're stuck in our head and not in our hearts, there's, we could talk about everything, right? We could be having conversations about pretty much, you know, there's a million things a day that you're like, yeah, that was a little upsetting. Or, you know, I could have a conversation about that, but does it sit on your chest? So it's kind of giving it that test of, is, is it falling energetically in my body that it has to be expressed and expelled? Or is it something I can work through? If it does require that, you know, expression, then you really have to start with yourself and you have to start with knowing who you are and really building that self-worth, that self-knowing, that self-confidence, which is the biggest challenge for so many people. I've been doing relationships for 10 years and I don't care if we're talking about a professional relationship, personal relationship, romantic relationship, a lack of expression often comes from a lack of self-worth. And in order to have those more difficult conversations, you have to feel worthy of having them and you have to feel worthy of expressing them. And also I'm seeing cements, you don't have to be cements, but you have to be strong enough to withstand the understanding that that person may not react in the way that you want them to. We can't Mm -hmm. control another's reactions. We can only control the way that we show up. So if you show up with strength, but also softness, all of a sudden you are now ironically, as cemented enough to withstand any sort of response. Hmm. Yeah, I think strength and softness is so key. Um, And the last little thing that I'll share around that is, yeah, I think oftentimes, of course, not 100% of the time, but, but many times when someone is initiating or gets engaged in a more uncomfortable or confronting conversation, it's more the nervousness or insecurity or the ego defenses that then get the thing fiery or get the the conversation even bigger or more uncomfortable than it needs. So I think that softness is such a vital key to that, that little recipe of those two parts, because if you can remain in your heart and stay connected to your breath and remain the compassionate, conscious observer and not like add any more fire than necessary to an uncomfortable situation, that does feel very key. Yes. (laughs) That was the interesting thing. Cause as I was saying, I was like, no, 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 it's not just cement. It's also a blanket. It's also Mm. tapping into, and that really is, it's the head versus the heart and understanding, you know, I, I, I don't 
privately coach anymore, but I do remember as we're saying this, even when I would talk to a client about how to have those expression, it would be, you know, the more spiritual ones, I'd be like, we have to do an energetic like reset and then only speak from your heart. Because Mm. when you talk from your heart, their hearts can observe it and absorb it. Versus when you talk from your head, because all you do is start to butt heads. There's a reason why they're, you know, that phrase um, exists because heads, butt, hearts connect. Oh, there's the tweetable moment of our (laughs) (laughs) hashtag tweet worthy. Um, That was really good. I'm, I'm taking that in as well into my own heart. And so let's talk conscious, romantic relationships, because you and I have definitely, we've had very different experiences, but (laughs) we have definitely earned our stripes in different varying ways. And so to whatever degree you're comfortable sharing about your personal journey, I would love for you, because I I love that you're this expert in the space, but you know, you went through some severe hardship in your first marriage, um, you know, and he even ended up passing away after you guys got divorced. And so what were some of those big learnings and teachings that came from that? Oh my gosh, so many. You know, it's such an interesting thing because the higher that your your star rises, the more people see it in the sky. And and as that rose, people would be like, I can't believe you're a relationship expert and you're divorced. And for me, I talk about it because that is my greatest education. You know, I have a master's in psychology now. I learned more from my divorce than I did from my studies. And the fact is, is that being in that relationship just one, it woke me up, which I think a lot of, you know, more toxic situations do for the people that need to be woken. Mm -hmm. I look back as my, you know, in those twenties and, and even, you know, around 30, 31, where I just did not have an awareness of myself. And because I was, I was brought down to such a raw place I was able to open my eyes and that's where that shifted is I started to look at things differently. I was exposed to different things. I sought out, you know, um, I was in therapy. We did uh, marriage counseling, which that doesn't work when you're with somebody who completely uh, gaslights everybody, but I was also able to get into my own therapy. And then I had this entire awakening of this self-development world that I didn't realize existed. Honestly, I, at that point, I was a lawyer turned entrepreneur. I was as, you know, vanilla in terms of my awareness as I could be. And then this breaking open is what allowed me to get into, you know, self-development, which would allow me to then get into meditation, get into hypnosis, have some of the most insane, and you've heard all of the magical experiences, sometimes some scary experiences. I don't know if you remember some of those too, uh, but there's some weird shit that's happened. I do. But yeah, it was a breaking open. And at the end of the day, it's not even about him, you know, and, and I do talk a little bit about him in the book because it was toxic and he was, um, you know, suffering from challenges that really impacted me, but he was also such a gift because I wouldn't be where I am and I wouldn't have had the journey afterwards and I wouldn't be in the relationship that I'm in now and I wouldn't appreciate it and love it and nurture it the way that I do if I didn't have that education. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, I definitely relate. You know, my ex-fiance, yeah, it culminated after the 16 and a half years and it culminating to that awakening moment and cracking open that I had, you know, in that precise moment, it was the most anguishing and, you know, drop to my knees kind of moment that I had had. But you know, once I started to continue to commit and devote to further awakening and surrendering and understanding, I saw, you know, I was able in pretty quick hindsight to look back and see that was also the most miraculous moment that I had. It was equal parts on that spectrum. It took me to the deepest pain, but it also at the exact same time was the the biggest enlightening moment for me. And I think that circles us back to where we started the conversation about you know, this is earth school and the primary way that we can 
have our earth school assignments and lessons and learnings and evolution take place. It's through that, especially one-on-one and oftentimes, especially it through romantic partnerships and relationships. Cause that was definitely the case for me. So I'm curious, you know, there's a, a lot of people now you and I from those experiences and through devoting to our own healing and transformation and facing our own selves and shadow work and all the many parts to the healing journey, we're able, thankfully, to align in these really healthy, conscious, sacred relationships that you're in and I'm in now. But I know a lot of people are probably in that midway ground or maybe they're in the tail end, like they're trying to get out of the kinds of relationships that we've shared about. I don't even know that I have a specific question, but what comes up for you in terms of those really on the quest? Like there's that deep heart and soul urging that they know is not going to allow them to settle. And what their intention and ultimate vision is, is to be in a very honoring, respectful, conscious, sacred, romantic partnership. What are a couple of the keys that you learned along the way that helped you get to where you are now? Well, I think the first one is that you have to believe in the magic of it because you can only control yourself and you can control the way that you show up. You can control the way that you react. You can't always control who shows up on your path and when they show up. Love doesn't have a timeline. There is absolute magic to it. And there has to be just a nearly infinite amount of patience and trust to get to that point. I think some of the biggest challenges I've seen is especially with people who feel like, you know, I've done all the work, like I've done everything I've explored. I'm ready. I'm whole. I am ready for my person. And then nothing happens. And then they get frustrated and a little bit angry sometimes. And and that pessimism and that, that uh, lower vibe kind of shows up and, and I get it. You know, I think there's nothing more frustrating than when you are ready to call your person in and you don't have control over it you know, it's, it's very difficult to reconcile. So I think that's really where it happens is there has to be a softening again, if we, as I feel it, it's like, it's because the desire and intention and, uh, you know, there's a, there is, there's an aggression to it that I feel like Mm -hmm. a, a rigidness to, I want this. And typically people If you want a job, you can go out and get it. If you want to go buy something, you go out and get it. If you want certain things in life, you just have to go do it. And that is not the way that divine love works. Divine love is soft and it shows up when it's ready and it's not on your timeline. And that is the hardest thing for people to understand and embrace and take in. But it's honestly the most important because it keeps them in a space of, well, then I'm going to enjoy myself mm. and I'm going to be soft and I'm going to be ready because nobody wants to fall into a brick wall. They want to fall into a soft basket. Mm. So I want people to think of themselves who are waiting for that as I'm going to say that beautiful soft basket that, that my divine love can fall into as opposed to feeling like it's hitting something. Oh my gosh, you're so good. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so good. Um, it's I love that so much. And it was making me chuckle about like my nearly five years of being celibate. And yeah, I don't know about that. (laughs) For the record, (laughs) whatever you choose to do. Yeah, yeah. But holy shit. I know. Yeah, exactly. I know. Uh, I, uh, so many other friends were like, you're legit a born again virgin. I'm like, no, for real. Like it's, I am to that level at this point. Um, it was almost five solid years of it. And, um, you know, it was just, it was a part of what I needed to experience. And, you know, in many more years beyond the five celibate, I was single and doing so much deep inner work, like mind, body, spirit. soul. like I had like a lot of womb healing I needed to do just because I had allowed my body to be so dishonored for almost that. Well, not almost for that entire 16 and a half year previous relationship my body, you know, and spirit and pretty much everything was dishonored that whole time. So there was so much I needed to tend to. And I think you hit another really good nail on the head of like, sometimes we think 
we have quote unquote done all the work. I'm ready. I've done it all. But there's always like the another thread and another layer. And that is something that I actually wanted to touch on that I have on my list. I, I wanted to ask you about are those patterns, those like really tricky patterns that we think that we have transmuted or transcended like that one relationship pattern or behavior that you know has like held you back, held you down. You know, it's that one, you know, for me, it was like my tendency, I guess it was from like childhood wounding and things like that. I had a tendency of like feeling an excitement for men who had like addiction issues. And that's not a recipe for success. And so I had to do so much deep work about collapsing that old portal so that a new world could be born for me. Um, so what is your advice for people that are just like many years deep into trying to overcome a particular pattern or behavior? Cool. Uh, yeah, that, those are tough. And I think, you know, one, it, you have to be able to have grace for yourself to understand. Cause I think there's a lot of people that beat themselves up. You know, I've been working on this forever. Why is this still here? There must be something wrong with me. And we mm -hmm. start to, you know, inflict more wounds on ourselves rather than give ourselves the grace of this is something that has been ingrained in us for a very long time. And it's going to take a minute. Uh, and I just want to bookmark that and just say also, uh, we are all evolving. If you have evolved to the highest level, your time here is done. So if you're still yeah. here, <laughs> you still have work to do. And, uh, you know, for people that are like, well, do I, one, do I have to wait until I've, you know, done all the work and I've, I've fixed myself to find relationship? Well, no, the relationship can come when you're in a healthy at least flat line to get there, but we are all still growing and we all still have work to do. But that actually leads into the, you know, we, we all have our stuff. We all have our experiences. And, you know, for me, it was always fear of abandonment. That was always my thing that I brought into every relationship where it's why I married my ex-husband. It's because he showed me the attention that showed me he wasn't going anywhere. And unfortunately, he wasn't going anywhere, so mm -hmm. I had to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you are consistently seeing these things show up, the biggest thing you can do is shine a light on it mm -hmm. and understand that even if it still exists, even if it still you know has that that trigger point for you, your awareness is going to get it to a point where it's not as impactful in your relationships. Yeah. And don't be afraid to seek the help that's required to release it. Yeah. And even if you do understand that I've done so much work around those fears, I've done so much work around, you know, my, my fears of abandonment and the acceptance issues and all of those challenges, they're still there. You know, release doesn't mean it's magically erased from your memory. Release means that it's hold on you is released. So recognizing, releasing, and accepting, I think are really that three-step process that has to happen in order for people to get a handle on it in a way that it doesn't negatively impact their lives. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Um, you're taking us to church in this conversation. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just <laughs> feel, <laughs> feel the Holy Spirit moving through me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love was, you. I love you too. I I was also yeah thinking about with that trusting in the the divine flow and timing is if what your intention is sacred partnership then that involves another person who's also doing work. So it could also be because I know for Luke and I he and I met years and years ago and we were friends for many years, but it wasn't time or re in readiness for us to get together in a romantic way until he, cause he also was like almost two years celibate while he was like going through a lot of deep, he had to do his inner work. I needed to do my inner work. And it wasn't until he had reached a place of divine sovereignty and I had reached my place of divine sovereignty that it was then divine time for these two sovereign beings to come together because it was only in that place of readiness that we could then do the relationship 
communing that we were intending. So that's another little thing to keep in mind. If you're one of those people that's like, oh my God, I've put in so many years of work. Well, your person that is the person trying to enter in, they might, they might still, still be doing some tweaking on their end. And I also love that you brought up, um, I forget how you worded it, but I, I also hit a place during those many years being single and doing all this where I was just like, you know what, maybe I'm just not cut out for romantic relationships. Maybe they're just not meant for me. You know, overall, I think I did a good job of being in a surrendered, trusting place. And I grew to love my own company so much that I thought, you know what, if this is the quote unquote worst case scenario that I'm with me for the rest of my life, like I can do this because I love myself and I love my own company, but I still wanted to hold that space to call the person in. But even though I was in that place, mostly, I definitely had those thoughts creep up along the way of like, maybe I'm just so wounded or so hurt or traumatized from what I've been through. Maybe I'm just like not able Maybe this is the one area in life where I'm just not able to do it. And so I love that we're both being honest and shedding a light on those things that can definitely creep up along the way. Yeah. Did any of that stuff come up for you where like before you met your current partner where you're just like, maybe I'm a relationship expert that's never going to be great again? <laughs> uh, you know what? I got to say that never happened for me. I think I am so in love with relationships and I love dating even, you know, even though, gosh, there were some questionable choices and moments that I'm like, wait, did that happen? Mm. Uh, but no, I think I always felt like I wanted it. And I wanted that partnership. The interesting thing is though, when I met Kevin, who's my fiance, I was moving to LA. I live in New Jersey. I was like, I'm moving to LA. I changed my custody order for that. Like I was like ready to go. I just had to get some things in place. And I was dating just for the sake of kind of passing time. And then I met him. So it was just interesting, you know, I, I I don't think there's one recipe that calls someone in, but I do think detachment sometimes and surrender, like you said, surrender is such an important aspect of this, of we have to stop the pressure and allow ourselves to relax and allow ourselves to just understand that this is not on your timeline, girl. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. I'm sorry. I wish it was. So let's go into some red flags because for me, as I've already said five times, I was, I allowed myself to be in a relationship for a very long time that was very suffrage filled and I trust in, in everything. So I know that I needed to be in it for that long, but maybe there's someone listening who, cause for me, I, I was in denial around the addiction issues that my ex was suffering from the codependency that I take responsibility for, uh, the narcissism, abusive tendencies and patterns that were getting more and more intense. There was so much going on. Maybe, maybe if I had listened to a podcast like this and heard about some red flags to look out for, maybe, maybe I would have exited out a little bit earlier before it caused a divine intervention. So for what are some, especially with romantic relationships, uh, some red flags you advise people to look out for, especially when it comes to like abuse or narcissism or codependency, any of those categories? Yeah, I think the first one, especially for your audience, is that feeling inside where you know that something is off and then you ignore it because our gut reactions are real. And obviously you do have to tap into that and think, is this fear or, or is this valid? And it might take a minute for that to really work itself out. But, you know, anytime that you are excusing behavior, whether it's verbally to other people or internally within yourself, we have a problem there. Mm. If we're trying to validate and rationalize things that people do, then we have a problem. You know, obviously there's the, the standard ones of any sort of abuse or addiction or adultery. I use the word adultery as if I'm like from the, the, <laughs> the 1800s. I'm a time traveler. Yeah. I was like, I don't know where that just came out. Um, but you know, that disrespect of the relationship, however you define it. And maybe that's, that might not be an issue for people if mm -hmm. you're in an open situation, but there are 
absolutely those those giant red flags but then there's the little ones like they don't uh, respect me not that that's little but they don't respect my opinion they don't honor my opinion they don't support me uh you know there's a a lack of uh, attention to our our relationship you know there's a lack of effort like those things are all red flags where you have to take a look at it and understand where it's coming from and what the impact is. And, you know, but I think it all does start. There's no one that I've ever met who has eventually left a relationship that did have an enormous amount of red flags. It didn't say, you know, I felt it and I just ignored it. Mm, yeah, definitely. Oh my God. I, yeah, I could get into a whole. <laughs> we all could, you are not alone. Whoever's <laughs> listening and thinking, uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. I allowed myself to just get back in over and over in that cycle of insanity. Like every time I, I let myself enter back in and disregarded those gut feelings, because I would listen to them to the point where I would end things. And then I would let the, I would let myself get back in. And that cycle of insanity um, definitely did not provide positive results. So I want to talk about dating apps because back when I was single, this was a funny, you know, little thing that you and I had where we were at one of the dinners um, in New York in Manhattan when I was still living there. And, you know, I was single at the time and you're like, girl, if you want something different, you got to do something different. If you, you know, like get on the dating apps. Cause I, when you would come on the talk show, I always had this stance of like, I'm weirded out by them. It feels like online shopping for humans. That was always my angle that I took. I mean, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was always a bit skeeved out, but you know, years later, that was a bit of a rite of passage that I needed to go through. I needed to let down the narratives I had built up so staunchly around them. And while I didn't have, like, I didn't find my person that way, it helped me to get out of my apartment and to actually date. So I don't know. I just wanted to go into dating apps in general because I know you're like match.com's chief relationship person. <laughs> and um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people, especially now that the world thankfully is opening back up again, um, if they've been on the apps and they're starting to date more, I don't know. What's your take on dating apps and finding your person online? Because I know a lot of people that actually are now married. They found their person that way. I'm engaged to my person that I found online. Oh, so wow. I am a success story. I'm not going to say which it is because I work for a match. <laughs> but there are, you know, there's a lot of uh, places out there where you can, you know, serendipitously find your person because at the end of the day, we don't have control over it, right? But we do have the ability to put energy into it. And for me, apps always equal energy. It's effort towards a goal. And uh, you can do it in the soft and surrendered way as well. And it doesn't have to feel icky. I think, you know, the, the recent data is that the majority of people who have found their partners have met online. So where it used to be that, that secret and, you know, a, a definitely an anomaly, it is now the norm. Hmm. So obviously that changes things, you know, makes it a lot easier for people to feel comfortable doing it. But, you know, for me, I am a single parent, you know, and I've been a single parent for the last, I lost count, eight years. And for me to meet people, I don't go out, you know, <laughs> I don't go anywhere. So it allowed me to make those connections and then determine whether or not people were babysitter worthy from the comfort of my own home. Mm -hmm. So I think that they are just a tool and it's a tool in the toolkit and it doesn't have to have this much, you know, all the energy in the world directed towards it. But if you put a little bit of energy into it and sprinkle it around, you know, there's a chance of you meeting your person. And, and I met my person and I don't know that I would have crossed paths with him otherwise, just mm -hmm. because, and we only live 10 minutes apart. Well, we will be in the same room in about, you know, five minutes. But um, when we met, we're, we were 10 minutes apart and it, still, we just had completely different. It was like his circle was over here and my circle was over here and they never were going to get a connect. Mm -hmm. So I'm thankful for, for technology in that aspect. Yeah. And, you know, um, hearing your share reminded me that actually my last, and I'm not trying to like reduce him to saying he was like my last test, but the last person that I needed to experience in order to collapse that old portal of 
continuously attracting men who have not done their own inner work and who have not healed and still have um, addictive or unhealthy tendencies. I met him through a dating app and I'm really grateful because like it was a huge test for me because while he was very unhealed and very untended to inner work wise, he also had a lot of the external things that really were on my list and excited me the industry that he worked in, his lifestyle, you know, it was, it was a very enticing dangling carrot that got presented to me. I mean, this guy lived at this incredible penthouse in the middle of Manhattan and like all these tattoos, like super hot. And, um, it was right like right after I did the work that I needed to do through him being my teacher that I then came into readiness to align with Luke. So I'm all, and I met him on a dating app. So I'm also very grateful. See, they do good work sometimes. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, and before we get in, I, um, asked on my Instagram, uh, sometimes with certain guests that I have on ceremony circle, I give my audience over there on Instagram an opportunity to ask questions of the guest and they had some really good ones for you. Yeah. So I'm going to get to those in a second, but before we pivot that way, there's this other category. I think it's really important for us to touch on. And that is, you know, now that the world's opening up again, and then you couple that with a lot of people in my audience they are energetically sensitive people and myself included. I sometimes hit up against social anxiety. Like I can read so much about people when I'm in a gathering with like 50, a hundred folks, I'm like, Whoa, like energy overwhelm. Um, what tips do you have for people who want to be more social again, yet due to the previous lockdowns or being really empathic or energy sensitive, it's like hard for them to actually get out the door. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, that was the entire reason why I wrote the book is really inspired by social anxiety. Um, It has become such an enormous problem. It's actually uh, the number two uh, mental challenge that people have um, and is growing. And it's Mm -hmm. gotten so much worse after quarantine and everything that we've experienced, the disconnect, Um, but it existed way before everything. And so, you know, that was really the inspiration behind it. And I think there's a lot of different things I could say here, but one of the things that I map out is kind of this method of connect, communicate, inspire. And those are really like the cornerstones that I think be allows you to become relatable and feel like you can make connections in spite of having social anxiety. And, you know, I could go into it further, but it's really about, you know, knowing who you are and showing it and embracing those aspects of yourself, communicating in a way that's electric and energetic. And then inspire is having a purpose-driven life, whatever that purpose is. And that can shift. And Oftentimes when we find the purpose and we find the mission behind the action, it makes the action less intimidating, if that makes sense. Because I think oftentimes we go out there without intention, you know, and and without purpose and without kind of an idea of what am I bringing to this event that's making me anxious? What am I, what am I intending to do in this interaction that, that might make me uncomfortable? And when you're able to pull that in behind you, all of a sudden you have something to sit on. You know, you have something to stand on if you choose to stand. You know, you have something that supports you. Yeah, that's great. And um, that reminds me when I was reading through your book yesterday, I love the question prompts that you have at the end of the chapters. I was like, oh, these are very helpful. And so, yeah, for anyone that has been experiencing any of what we're talking about, um, I definitely recommend picking up Relatable because you can get a lot of insight just from answering even one of the questions that you pose in the book to get that insight. And one thing that I found that helps me is as I'm on my way to a gathering, like in the car ride, I'll tune into my heart and I'll set the intention for what I want to experience. Like, what do I want to bring to this gathering? And and what is my intention to feel? And oftentimes it's just, I want to be in a place of unconditional love and let other people know they're held in unconditional love. And it can be that simple, but then 
saying that out loud and getting clear on that on the car ride over then allows me to let go into that and hold that space of love while I'm there. Yes. I love, I love any sort of intention and just recentering and re realigning before you go to somewhere, just because, you know, I think oftentimes a lot of our challenges are, is that we're very unintentional in our thoughts and actions. And then we feel that frenetic energy that comes from nowhere because we haven't channeled it. But if you can channel it for something that is productive and helpful, then the whole world changes right before you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Let's get to this fun fiesta of listener questions. It's a very wide range of things. Um, but I know that you are equipped to go in any direction. So just giving you a heads up. I'm so ready. So we've got Jacqueline here and her question is, I want a divine partnership where we are both independent, but also loving and nurturing to everything in our relationship at the same time. Is this possible to have both? Yes. Yes. And that is, that's a healthy relationship you know, having interdependence and being independent and having a collaborative unit at the same time. Oftentimes we hear, you know, you have to find someone that completes you and two halves make a whole. And I don't believe in that. I believe that two holes make really good holes standing next to each other. You know, this is, it is meant, you're meant to have uh, the support and the partnership of that union but that doesn't dissolve your independence and doesn't dissolve your ability to continue to do everything that's in your heart and in your soul. Yeah. I second everything you said. And, you know, Luke is such a living embodied testament to that. Like he loves to fan my flame and, you know, helps to support my light to shine brighter in my lane and the things that I'm an expert in and, and my calling. Um, but yet we also love to do a lot of things together. And so, yeah, totally agree with everything, everything he said. So this next question comes from a dear soul brother. He is living in Africa. I love him. His name is Nikita. And he asked such a brilliant question that's more on the spiritual tip and open-ended. So open your gateway for this one. But it, he said, <laughs> he said, Putting I have, back. Okay. he said, I have normalized the thought of being undateable as a coping mechanism. And I know it's not a good belief to normalize even jokingly. After my 15 years of a relationship ended with my ex, that part of my life never took off again. And it's been five years. I'm curious. Uh, well, at least he's aware that it shouldn't be in his, in his thought pattern. So self-awareness is key. <laughs> But uh, anything that's in your heart is something that you can take action upon. And, you know, I think it is, it's, it's a dance between energy and action. And what I would say for anybody who finds themselves to be undateable is to take those baby steps back out there to prove your brain wrong. Because right now his brain is lying to him. His brain is, is repeatedly saying something based on the dissolution of something that wasn't meant for him. And, you know, there also has to be a shift in perspective of what that last relationship was, because obviously the perspective became because of X, Y, and his because of X is because this failed, I am a failure. I am undateable. And that is not the case because of that relationship. He learned something. So, you know, without going too deep, because I'm like, girl, I could keep going on this one forever. You know, I would want them to really start to reflect on what did, what did you gain from that relationship? What knowledge did you gain? What, in, you know, introspection did you gain? What purpose did you gain? And then how can I translate that into taking that step back out there? And maybe he needed a break. You know, at the same time, like it's okay to take a moment and take a break and let it, you know, uh, let it sit to the side and then re-enter when you have the energy to look at it. And I would say from him submitting that means that there's energy desire to shift. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's such a good point. He was, his previous relationship was 15 years. So a five-year break is very understandable to me. Yeah. So 
I think you're we, like, I did five years easy. Yeah. <laughs> we, we think you're right on track, Nikita. No worries. You're doing good. Okay. Um, this next one, I think a lot of people are going to relate to. Cody says, I'm curious about partnership where one person is way more into spirituality than the other one. How to embody the trust of another's path and still feel free to explore yours. Because so many people hit up against that when they start to have their own awakenings and feel a deep soul draw to like really devote to the spiritual path. And then the person that they've been with for the last eight years is not into the quote unquote woo woo life at all. That's an interesting dynamic. So I live that. I am with a muggle. A muggle! And if I called him that, he'd be like, what do you mean? Uh, but yeah, so uh, here's, here's what I think that is important. So, you know, uh, it is interesting and obviously amazing and explosive to find somebody who's gone through exactly what you've gone through. But if you're limiting it to that and you're not looking at the energy as a whole, then you're doing yourself a disservice. So yes, I'm with a muggle who honestly takes everything, anything I say regarding my woo-ness with a grain of salt. Not that he doesn't listen to it and respect it. He just doesn't quite buy into all of it. And honestly, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, he is a high vibe electric dude and he doesn't even realize it. I could send him this and they'd still be like, what are you talking about, Rachel? Like, just, can we go have a beer? And that's totally fine. So I think that it's important to look at the person as a whole, as opposed to just their path. Because there are people, and you and I both know this, there's people who are just magical and they don't put any effort into it. Like this is not something they're even aware of. They are just pure magic. And then there are people who've done significant amounts of actual earth, <laughs> earthbound work on their spiritual selves. And so I would just allow people to stay open-minded, stay true to yourself. Obviously you want to be with someone who respects your journey and respects you, what you do. But some of the healthiest relationships that I am personally aware of out there are a mix of people, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. And um, but yeah, the other side, which you were kind of uh, warning people about, like where I was continuing to suppress my truth and calling a mission with my previous relationship is like when he found out that I was taking online psychic courses and things like that, he would get super freaked out by it. And then because of my codependent issues, I would then quit taking the course just to appease him to make the relationship continue. So that's a dynamic you definitely don't want. So they don't have to fully understand it, but as long as they love it for you, yeah, and honor your path with it, that's the key. Okay, let's do one more. Then we'll get on to your magical hypnosis ceremony. Um, Desiree asks, I'd love to hear about supporting your person while they heal deep emotional wounds. And I know that's very open-ended and that's a big and deep one. But again, it's very important because, yeah, if you're in a relationship that is that safe container where one or both people is committed to doing shadow work or healing some deep stuff, that's a very unique path unto its own. So how can one best support if someone is really in the trenches with some shadows or healing? Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, I think the one thing is to recognize that it is their journey. And I think part of this is all the perspective that you go into it with of, I can support, but I'm not responsible. And that almost becomes a mantra. I can support, but I'm not responsible. And sometimes when you are energetically connected to someone, like I feel his pain and he's had so much stress this week. And like, it was like one thing after another and my heart hurt and I had nothing going on, you know? And it's so hard because all you want to do when you love someone is to take that pain away. Mm -hmm. But we have to recognize and be aware within ourselves that this is part of their process. This is something they can do. And the only thing I can do is let them know that I am there let them know energetically and physically, you know, uh, verbally that I am here and then step back because oftentimes, especially those who are healers want to heal. And it is not always your place, especially in partnership. You know, sometimes you need someone outside of it or they need to do it themselves and you have to take a step back. So in those cases, I think the most important thing to do is to to know your space mm-hmm. and to know your boundary line and 
to be supportive verbally, energetically, all of those things, but then release. Oh my God. I'm so glad we ended with this one because this is one, I feel like it's a top three category of relationships, um, especially for people committed to doing the healing work, because what I can look back in hindsight, especially with that um, previous relationship where I had to take responsibility is at that time, I wasn't aware of all my archetypes. And I wasn't aware that one of my main archetypes on top of being a shaman and healer was the rescuer. Mm -hmm. And so what I was doing over and over for almost two decades was cutting him off at the pass and not giving him a chance to empower his own self because I was always trying to go in right away to rescue, fix, heal, tend to tell him what to do to quote unquote, fix this, fix that. And I never created any sort of space for him to find his own navigation. I don't know that he would or wanted, would have wanted to, but I never gave any space for him to probably try. So I do think it's so important to be aware of your own archetypes and tendencies. And with those certain archetypes, if rescuer is one of those, like when your rescuer tends to go into the shadow and tries to get control, like being really aware of that. And um, yeah, like you said, remembering that the, that person, your partner is on their own healing journey and to find it's a fine line and it's certainly a dance and a balancing act of like when to create a space and let them go within and when, when they're asking for you to lean in and support a little bit more to do that. But it's definitely a big dance. <laughs> Absolutely. And yes, you made a huge point there at the end about the asking, if they ask for it, then obviously give that to them. And you can also ask them what they need, you know, and allow them to, and they might not be able to verbalize what they need. And that's okay too. Yeah, I could, yeah, they could say like, what I need is like, don't judge me as I lay on the floor in a puddle of my own like slobber and tears. Like, <laughs> just let this be a no judgment night as I'm moving through so, the trenches, you know? Yeah. So. Beautiful. Okay. So let's close this. I've loved this conversation, by the way. It's so good to reconnect with you and to hear your tips for all of this. Um, so I think now would be the perfect time to close our ceremony circle voyage with a hypnotic induced uh, voyage led by you. All right. Well, I was very much called during this because I wasn't sure exactly what hypnosis we were going to do until I felt into it during it. And I think a heart opening and clearing made a lot of sense for this because regardless of the relationship journey that you're on, or if you're trying to start personal uh, journey of relationships or romantic, uh, it will work for all of it. So if you could just close your eyes and start by taking some very deep, relaxing breaths deep down into your belly. Taking that breath all the way down into your stomach. Allowing that breath to fully release. Taking another breath in all the way down into your belly. Holding it for just a moment. And very slowly letting it out. I'm just starting to be aware of all the feelings in your body, any tension, any resistance, any place that you know you're just holding on. I'm just drawing attention to that area and just relaxing it intentionally, energetically. We're just going to bring a beautiful white healing light through your entire body just to relax you even deeper. Starting at the crown of your head, bringing that light in, allowing it to fill the crown of your head, down into your forehead, your eyes, your temples, relaxing and releasing any tension there. Allowing that light to come down into your nose, your mouth, your cheeks, down into your jaw, relaxing and releasing your jaw. Bringing that light down, down your throat, down your neck, into your shoulders where so many of us hold that tension. Just imagine that light filling your shoulders relaxing and releasing any tension there. 
Imagining that light filling your chest, your stomach, your back, letting go of all the tension, any pain, any energy that's just holding on. Allow that light to come down your arms, all the way to the tips of your fingers. And now bringing that light to your hips, down each of your legs, over your knees, down your shins, your calves, into your ankles and all the way to the tips of your toes. And breathing that beautiful light into your lungs, holding it for just a moment, and then very slowly letting it out. Now we're going to bring our attention to our heart. First, just observing the heart. See what color it radiates. See if there's anything that you notice about it, its appearance, its feeling. Just be an observation of your heart right now. And then I want you to imagine a beautiful white light beaming straight into your heart. Start to feel the warmth radiate. Feeling your heart filled with that beautiful light. Knowing that every area that it's touching is healing and opening. Letting every area of your heart begin to heal. Feeling that love from above. Feeling the love of that light, that pure source energy, just filling your heart. Allowing it to heal and close any fissures, any wounds. Allowing it to fill any holes. Just imagining that heart purely filled and loved and whole and healed. And now imagining that heart completely filled with that white light, that white light that's been pouring into you. And now we're going to open that heart. Maybe it's just a small door. Maybe it's wide open. But now that light that you've had in is going to go out while remaining in your heart. Just imagine yourself shooting that energy out of your heart into the world. Opening your heart, opening your light, allowing that heart to connect with others, allowing that healed, beautiful heart to allow its light to shine out from within you. Knowing that as much as you shine out, you still have a limitless, completely boundless supply of light within. And taking a deep breath in, letting it all the way out, taking all of those good feelings and know that your light is shining from deep within your heart from now on. I'm going to count you back out from one to 10, awakening, refreshed and relaxed with an open, healed heart, ready to share. One, starting to come back. Two, coming all the way back. Three, awakening refreshed and relaxed. Four, all the way back. Maybe moving your neck around, moving your body. Five, feeling all the way into your body. Six, awakening refreshed and relaxed. Like you just took a little nap. Seven. Eight, stretching, nine, and 10, opening your eyes. Oh, that was so good. I didn't want to come back when you're like two coming all. I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want you. I'm sorry. Oh my God, that felt so good. That was so visual and powerful for me. Thank you so much. Oh, I love it. I don't do enough of that anymore. I miss it. 
Yeah, I'm so glad you could bring that medicine in here. And it's, I mean, so much can happen in such a true, deep, embodied, powerful level in just five, six minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. That's listen, I'm on time, if anything. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, uh oh we got to come back out. I could live here. Yeah. So good. Well, thank you so much. And of course I'll have, um, the links to you and relatable in the show notes. And when I put this, uh, episode out on my social channels, but, um, I'm sure people want to find it right now. So what is the easiest and best place for them to locate you and where to get the book? I am Rachel D'Alto everywhere, and uh, you can find me pretty much <laughs> anywhere, anywhere, uh, Instagram, TikTok, all Rachel D'Alto, and my website is Rachel D'Alto, and the book is everywhere books are sold. Uh, I love that, which I didn't realize there's a lot of places that books are sold. So there's the indie books, there's Amazon. Um, so yeah, all of those from the littlest places to the biggest. Awesome. Okay. Well, it's so good to see you. So good to see you talk to you and thank you for sharing your wisdom and energy and love and medicine with me and everyone who sat in circle with us today, Rachel. Thank you for having me and, and allowing me to experience your magic. I haven't, I haven't had enough of you lately. I know. All right. Well, let's stay in better touch and thank you to everyone who sat with us. I have a feeling there were some definite uh, gems and transmissions that you received that will uh, positively serve your newly illuminated pathway forward. So we'll sit with you next time. Woo, what a powerful voyage that was. It is just my greatest honor. It brings me so much joy and activates and lights up my soul to be able to sit with these incredible embodied, true spiritual masters and leaders from all over the world. I ask that you please, if you feel called, continue to support them and their work in whatever way that feels aligned for you. Please go to my website where all the show notes are listed, www.alisoncharles.com. That's www.alisoncharles.com so that you can access their direct links to their website and social media platforms and additional information about them. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle so unique is that at the end of every single episode, as you just experienced, we immerse in a powerful ceremony, ritual, invocation, prayer, spiritual song, some sort of activation that the guest feels called to offer on that day. So listen to your intuition. If at any point, Moving forward, you feel called to come back and re-immerse in this guided ceremonial experience, do so. Because I guarantee every single time you experience it, you will receive a new medicine transmission, a new awareness, a new awakening aspect within your soul. It has been an honor voyaging with you. Please keep the Ceremony Circle community vibes growing and activating Find me on Instagram at I am Allison Charles and let me know how you enjoyed this episode. Let me know how you are creating your own sacred ceremony circle space. Tag those in your soul fam who are immersing in the ceremony circle episodes and experiences with you. And let's unite in the next episode coming out next week so we can continue to activate the consciousness energies of planet Earth and the universes. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.